You're listening to the Bay Christian Family Church Podcast. Praise God as you see that open your Bibles at Hebrews chapter 4. We're looking at what is the Sabbath. The Sabbath is a very real part of God's kingdom. And sometimes we can get lost in the religious tradition and get involved in ritual instead of what God has called us to walk in. And it's so important to know that because it's easy to follow a bunch of rules and do something simply because it's written and therefore we just do it, but there's no heart to it. And even Jesus told the scribes and the Pharisees of the day is that you have made my word null and void by your tradition. So they were following the word to the letter as much as they could, but they'd lost the heart of it. You see, God's not just looking for a bunch of robots to follow him and follow laws, rules. He's looking for a people that love him and enjoy his kingdom. And he has placed his very spirit within us to be able to lead us to that and to experience the kingdom that God has established for us. Laws are not just laws to keep you in control. Laws are there for us to understand how the kingdom works. There's a difference between legal laws and functional laws. What do I mean by that? Legal laws is thou shalt not go faster than 120 kilometers per hour on the highway. That's a legal law. If you break it, then you're caught breaking it. You will pay a fine. How do you know you can do it, but never be caught at it? And, and, you, and you won't never have to pay a fine. That, that's the legal law. But there's a natural law. If you slam into something at that speed, then that person could die. Isn't that right? Now, you don't need a policeman to enforce that. Because if someone is traveling beyond a certain reasonable speed and they slam into something, the natural physical law, the outcome is death. No policeman had to oversee that. Are you with me? That's just no one has to even be around and it will still work. And so if we don't understand that, that's when we try and live life to natural laws. And we now study the laws in the kingdom. We think, well, if I keep all these things, then I'll obey God. Then everything will go well with me. And then when no one's looking, we can still do something. And well, you know, well, Jesus forgave me. And uh, no, hang on. There's a natural outcome. There's, There's a spiritual outcome that results in a natural outcome. In other words, if we do this or that, God says the wages of sin is death, not you've been caught, now I'm going to send you to hell. No, if you, if you do something like that, it can land up in spiritual destruction. And so if we understand that, the reason, the purpose behind God's laws is so we experience His kingdom the way He designed for it to be enjoyed. Hallelujah. How are you glad when you fly in an airplane that the pilot obeys all the laws of flight? That, that's, that's for a good outcome. Isn't that right? And so the same way we want this flight of life to be successful. And God gives us certain principles that he establishes. And so we hear this word Sabbath and we were introduced to this concept of the new covenant in Hebrews chapter 4 verse 1. There's a promise that remains of entering his rest. Notice the wording is rest. Everybody say rest. And he says indeed the gospel was preached. And he says, yeah, but the word which they heard did not profit them. And talking about the children of Israel in the wilderness, 
not been mixed with faith with those who heard it, for we who have believed do enter that rest. Now he's talking here in verse 4, he talks about that he has spoken in a certain place of the seventh day in this way, and God rested on the seventh day from his works. Now when we hear seventh day, we, we understand that to be the Sabbath. The Sabbath is on the seventh day. Now, I want you to be aware of that, to just be listening for it, because, yeah, in this concept of this rest he's talking about, he's referring to the seventh day. And you think, what has that got to do with it? And he goes on and he says in verse uh, 4, he's spoken, God rests on the seventh day. Verse 9, there remains therefore rest for the people of God. For he who has entered his rest has himself ceased from his works as God did from his. Let us therefore be diligent to enter that rest. So we understand that there is a promise that God has given us for rest. You have to ask yourself, what is that rest for? What's the purpose of the rest? Why is the rest there? And of course, when you study it out, you'll find out there's various reasons. Obviously, there's the natural rest. Uh, We do understand that it is important to keep time to take a break. That's why God established rest, is that you don't work yourself all the time. So there's the natural aspect of rest. So that would have been built into the Sabbath. One of the other reasons, as we studied it out, we found out that God established it as a law before he gave the Ten Commandments was when they went and gathered the manna in the wilderness. Every day there would be enough manna for everybody to eat. And the point was, don't go beyond that. Don't try and hoard. Because the moment people tried to hoard, whatever they kept was foul the next day. What's God teaching them? I'll give you what you need. You don't have to be greedy. Every time you need it, you will have it. Eat what you need today. And when the day is finished, even if your cupboard's empty, tomorrow I will make sure you have a game. Don't you worry about it. And then at the sixth day... Now go gather twice as much. Yeah, but last time it stank. Yeah, but I want to show you something more. Go and gather extra because tomorrow you're not working. Tomorrow you are resting. Now, the point behind that wasn't that because, listen, they were not laboring like we know labor. They weren't building houses and farming and they were just simply parking off in their tents or walking. But today you're resting. But, yeah, we did that yesterday. No, there's no gathering today. I'm I'm going to look after you. And in that day, that which God had provided took them through that season, through that day. There was more than enough, and they didn't have to do anything for it. And so he had established this concept. And when he spoke to them about it, he mentioned that the reason the Sabbath was given to them was to remind them that you're no longer under bondage in Egypt. Think about how I delivered you out of bondage. That was the, the original purpose of God establishing that Sabbath within them. And then we saw how he introduced it as one of the Ten Commandments. And so on the Tenth Commandment, there God made it a holy day. He sanctified it, set it apart, and he said, now on the seventh day, you take that time to honor me. And he established it as a covenant and a law and a statute. And so it's easy to say, well, in that case, we have to then keep the seventh day every single day. But understand when we say Sabbath, there obviously was the seventh day Sabbath, which the Bible did speak about. And there's also the the holy setting apart, the gathering together. That's part of it. But then we saw God introduced it into years. 
And for six years who worked the land. On the seventh year, do nothing. So now we understand Sabbath is not just a Saturday. Uh, there's, a, there's a law of Sabbath, and he establishes, and yeah, and with the field, it works it into a year. So the whole year, you don't work your field, because last year's harvest is enough to take you through last year, this year, and next year, while I prepare the field to produce even a greater harvest in the next six years. And so then you take the principle even further, and you take seven times seven, you get your 49 years, and then in the 50th year is the year of Jubilee. And in that year of Jubilee, that's when everybody who was ever in any kind of bondage, whether it was debt or slavery or whatever, God established it that every slave would be set free, every debt canceled. And he called that the year of Jubilee. And then recall that we had a look at that and we saw in Luke chapter 4 how Jesus, when he came to Nazareth, read from the book of Isaiah, and he spoke about verse 18, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, and to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. And that acceptable year of the Lord is referring to the year of Jubilee. So Jesus is saying, now that I'm here, you choose when you want Jubilee. You don't wait 50 years. I am here now. He closed the book and said, today it's fulfilled. So family of God, we are now in perpetual Jubilee. What does that mean? If I'm still in debt, I need to now go ahead and claim the promise of Jubilee and say, I am free of debt in the name of Jesus. And trust God's grace. To set us free. Now, sometimes people say, well, yeah, but I did that. And that's what we're talking about. I know there are things that we think we did because we heard it from Scripture, from the pulpit. But we could have landed up doing it out of religious obligation. I hear the pastor gave a car away and then he got another car. Well, I'm going to do the same. And then people give their car away and then they land up walking for months. And they, <laughs> why did you do that? Well, the pastor gave his car. No, this is not a magic the ritual thing. It's not just, you know, you, you, you do this and that automatically happens. There's, there are principles. There's more than just the giving. Uh, people can give, but without the right heart, the right attitude, and the right in the correct place, there's different ways. There's things that will interfere with your harvest. How many you know you can have a harvest, but there could be thorns and thistles that choke it out? See, the word tells us it's only in healthy soil that you see your harvest. So I have to understand that it's more than just the keeping of the rituals. There's a principle that has to be put into place. And this is what we're looking at. What is this concept? Because he's introduced it to us. It's something we need to pursue. And that is this concept of rest. And he went to great measures right through the old covenant to establish this as a law. Everybody say law. So Galatians 3 verse 19, Paul explains why the law was there. He says, what purpose does the law serve? Now under the old covenant, they kept the laws to protect them, to make sure they could still die and be recognized as children of Israel, as covenant people, in order to make sure their salvation was in place. And so the laws were there, and but have you noticed that it was impossible to keep all the laws? 
And even the Bible says when you're talking about the laws, the laws, the various subtitles, the subsections, the sub-articles, they're really talking the smaller parts of the law. Uh, the law. When you say the law, in other words, God doesn't have a whole bunch of different rules and each one's different and then they have different forms of punishment like we have, you know, sometimes you do that, you get a fine, but this one you get put into prison. That's not how the kingdom of God works. You break one of the statutes, one of the articles, you break the law, the whole law. And this, the, con the consequence is the same. Someone says, well, that's impossible to do. And that's exactly why God introduced the concept of sacrifices. And in fact, they were doing sacrifices every day. It wasn't just on the Sabbath. It wasn't just on a worship day. Every day, they, if, if you did something wrong, you go there and make your sacrifice because you had to make sure, okay, I messed up, I couldn't keep the law, but the sacrifice was there to make sure that I could make sure that that part of the law could then be covered. And you're only as good as what you could cover your, yourself with whatever law you broke. But the whole point behind it was it was impossible to expect the law to get you to a place where you'd be ready to go to heaven. How do you know no matter how hard you work, you could never work your way into heaven? Isn't that right? Because every one of us here would be willing to admit there's something that we would, would do that would break that. So how do you get to heaven? Well, that's the whole purpose. This is what we're having a look at, is that Jesus became the ultimate sacrifice. He was the one that established it. Now, there has to be a reason for the laws. Then if God never intended for the law to be the way to salvation, the whole purpose behind it was to direct us to Jesus for salvation, then what purpose did the law serve then? And that's what Paul is answering here. It was added because of transgressions, why? Till the seed, who's that? Jesus, should come to whom the promise was made, and it was appointed through angels by the hand of a mediator. Now, a mediator does not mediate for one only, but God is one. Is the law then against the promises of God? Certainly not. If there had been a law given which would have given life, truly righteousness would have been by the law. In other words, if God could have had one particular law written in a way that if you did this, you would be righteous, he would have done that. But you understand that that's impossible. From the human perspective in our fallen state, when we were sinners, it's impossible for any law to do that. And so we understand that true salvation, true righteousness only comes by the death and resurrection of Jesus. But, verse 22, the scripture has confined all under sin. Why? That the promise by faith in Jesus Christ might be given to those who? Those who? How many you believe? Say this, I have received the promise of Jesus. Therefore, before faith came, we were kept under God by the law, kept for the faith, which would afterward be revealed. Therefore, the law was our tutor to bring us to Christ that we might be justified by faith. But after faith has come, we are no longer under a tutor. What's a tutor? It's a teacher, a coach. So before they knew 
what the new covenant was. It was impossible to understand. Even Jesus told his disciples, I have many things to say to you, but you cannot receive them now. When I go, I will send the Holy Spirit and he will reveal them to you. Because when you're talking to a natural man, you can only speak past his natural intellect. But when you get into the new covenant and you're born again, you have the Holy Spirit within us, spiritual truths can be revealed, not just studied. So you study, but in the studying, revelation comes. How many of you got far more information out of a verse than what it said on the paper? You, you know what I'm talking about. And so he says the only way to that is through revelation of the Holy Spirit. But before that, men couldn't get that. And so the law basically kept them on the track kept them guided. In other words, to be blessed, this is what needs to happen. If you're going to experience the kingdom of God, you've got to do these things. And by them doing it, God could keep them in place still to experience his full blessing, experience everything he has for them, so that when the real comes, Jesus, and you're born again, now you're born into the kingdom of God, now you can be led by the Holy Spirit and you can follow his ways and he will direct you to life. Now notice, one of the ways he does that is remind you of what you've been taught. Well, who taught you? The tutor. So the tutor is not done away with. How are you glad your doctor or your dentist still studies? Come on, how many you go to a dentist? How, how, how many of you, maybe the older generation, uh, I remember when I went to the dentist, we still had, you know when they do a drill, it's on a pulley system. How many remember that? Uh, one person. You, you know when the when then it goes this thing's been, and you see the little wires. It's got cords that, that made the drill spin. So you watch those things spinning and then and then sometimes the drill will get stuck because he's got his foot on it. And then you put it on and it wasn't spinning fast enough, it goes and he pulls it on. How many you know what I'm talking about? Now, a bunch of kids are looking young and like, no. Because now what they do, today they go, they've got this high speed, high technical, it's got lights and, and figures on it. On, but how you would, if you went to your dentist and he's still on a pulley system, you'd go, uh-uh. You, you want a dentist that's advanced, isn't that right? It's going to stay up to date, get the new technology. So even when you are professional, you're still having a tutor to help you know what the next phase is. So the Holy Spirit is teaching you. He leads you and guides you, but he will always remind you the original. What was the reason for it? What's the purpose for it? So we got to understand that when you see things in the old covenant, they did it ritualistically, but God's not calling us today to do it ritualistically. Because if we do it ritualistically, then we're thinking because we good, we did, then therefore we must have. No, the Holy Spirit within you reveals this is what the law is. This is why it exists. Now, take it higher into the new covenant. And if you apply it with my power, with my anointing, you're going to see what that law intended to produce will manifest in your life in greater power. Hallelujah. Remember Jesus said in Matthew 5 verse 17, I did not come to destroy the law or the prophets. I did not come to destroy, but to fulfill. 
Everybody say fulfill. So there's two things here that we need to see. One is that you and I could never fulfill all the aspects of the law. But Jesus did. If there was a thou shalt, Jesus did it. If there was a thou shalt not, Jesus did not. He did everything exactly right according to the law. The Bible says that he was tempted in all things, yet without sin. So he died on that cross illegally, but it was a mystery so that in that death and resurrection, he could take every sin, every way that you could ever have violated the law. Jesus paid the full price for it as if though he had violated it, as if though he was the sinner. He never did sin, but he took on sin. And he died the price, he died the death and paid the price any sinner should pay. And he paid it in full. And then he rose from the dead, proving the father satisfied, sinners paid for. And in that death and there is a resurrection, when you receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you die dead. The sinner dead. And then you are brought back to new life. You are born again, but it's no longer you who live. It's Christ who lives within you. And so by you now born again as Christ living in you, it's just as if you are literally the Christ that Jesus is. You are called the body of Christ. And that body, that Christ has never sinned. That's Jesus. Yeah, but I did the... No, no, hang on. That's the body. That's the flesh. You, the born-again child of God, when God looks at you, He looks at someone who's never, ever sinned. Can you see that? So in Jesus fulfilling the law, you receive Him as your Lord and Savior, you have fulfilled the law. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That's the one aspect. The other aspect is, notice he said, I did not come to do away with it. Why? Gravity is still gravity. Thrust is still thrust. Lift is still lift. You want an airplane to fly, you still have to obey the laws. I've come, paid the price for sin, but you still have to fly the plane. So everything that's established, you used to do it to prove you were a good Jew, but I want you to understand that it was put there as principles in life so that life works. So now we have to discern what were legal laws, because there's the Levitical laws, which were the running of Israel, the state of Israel, and how you need to be a good Jew. But then there are also the principles of the kingdom of God that are established beyond and outside even of the Ten Commandments, the original laws that God spoke about when he was in the in the wilderness, he said, I want to see if you can keep my commandments, my laws. That's before the Ten Commandments came. So when we see Jesus, he comes to the earth and he starts demonstrating this life. Now, Jesus is an interesting concept because when he entered into the earth, we think of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John as New Testament books. But the New Testament only began when the testator died. So the truly, the New Testament actually starts from Acts. 
or the end of the, the Gospels where he died and rose from the dead. But before that, Jesus entered the earth under the old covenant. He's a Jew and he's living by the concepts of the old covenant, but he's demonstrating how this is not religious ritual. He takes the same laws, the same covenant, and he applies it in life in a very different way to the way the scribes and Pharisees were doing it. And that's what got them so upset because you know, they, they were doing what they were saying. And here comes this man claiming to teach the kingdom and he's talking about the kingdom and God. And then he does weird things like you see here in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 18. At that time, uh, verse 1, Matthew 12, verse 1, Matthew 12, verse 1. At that time, Jesus went through the grain fields on the, on the what? The Sabbath. So what day is it? Okay, those who haven't been around for a while, just write this down so you don't forget next time. Saturday. Everybody say Saturday. Everybody say seventh day. And his disciples were hungry and they began to pluck heads of grain and eat. And when the Pharisees saw it, they said to him, look, your disciples are doing what's not, not lawful to do on the Sabbath. But he said to them, have you not read what David did when he was hungry? Now, David was still solidly under the old covenant. Have you not read what David did when he was hungry? He and those who were with him, how he entered the house of God and he ate the showbread. <gasps> which was not lawful for him to eat, nor for those who were with him, but only for the priests. Have you not read in the law that on the Sabbath, the priests in the temple profane the Sabbath and are blameless? What's he saying? The Sabbath day, by law, you are not allowed to work. But everybody went to synagogue or to the temple. Now, who was going to open the door? Who was going to serve the, the commandments? Who was, going to, who was going to run the service? The priest. So what's he doing? Working. But the law says he mustn't work. But you notice that because he's the priest, and under the Sabbath, God wants everybody else not to work, but the priest, you have to work, but because... There's a principle here. Today's not your Sabbath. I need you to work today, even though it's on the Sabbath day. And so though they were breaking the law, God said by them doing the work of God, they were sanctified and they bypassed that law. That law didn't count for them in the same way. This is what Jesus is saying. Do you understand? It's not just about the seventh day. There was a need today, and today they had to work, and that was okay, because it's not about the keeping of the law. Is this making sense? Is this helping you? And he says in verse 6, Yet I say to you that in this place there is one greater than the temple. Who is he talking about? Himself. If you had known what this means... I desire mercy and not sacrifice. 
you would have condemned the guiltless, for the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. He says, you notice David, when he was hungry, there was no other food around. The law said that showbread's holy, and yet he ate from it. But because it was needed at that moment, God didn't hold that against him. You're seeing this. And what's Jesus saying? Right now, someone needs healing. That healing is more important than the keeping of a legal day. Now, this is right after. Remember, he's, he's talking about doing things on the Sabbath day. Matthew chapter 11, look at verse 28. He had just taught this. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you... Ah. Isn't he maybe demonstrating a principle here? Come to me, you who are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me. I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Now, now what is a yoke? A yoke is when you want to put two oxen together to pull a, like a plow or something. So the yoke is that piece of wood that you put over both their necks. Now, the idea with that is that Two oxen pulling together gives far more power than each one on their own. And the interesting thing is that your weaker ox is supported by the stronger ox. But the two together give more power. If we try to go through life in our own strength, we're going to struggle in battle. But now if you take the stronger ox, now if you could imagine a strong, massive ox put into the yoke with, let's say, a little kitten. How much work is the kitten going to do? It's going to be very easy. It's going to be light for that kitten. Why? Because you've got the big ox pulling it. Family, we're talking about Jesus, the almighty God, the all-powerful, the creator of all things, the one that upholds all things by the word of his power, the one who carries the full power, the full word of God. He says, when I step into the yoke with you, you will notice my yoke on your neck is easy. Just, you have to be in the yoke. You have to be with me. You have to walk close to me. You're going to have to come alongside me. We're going to do this together. We're still gonna, you, you're going to have a doing. You're going to have a walking, but you're going to find it easy. If I'm finding my Christianity struggle and I'm battling and I've got all these rules and these laws, I'm going to struggle and battle. I'm never going to be able to do it all. He says, that's when you find religion is there as a bondage. It's a yoke. Religion will hold us in bondage. You will always feel like you're inadequate. You'll always feel like you never made it. You'll always feel disappointed. You'll always feel like you let God down. You always feel guilty. You're working, 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 hoping one day when you get to heaven, you're going to find God in a good mood. 
That's religion. Jesus says, when I come, you're going to notice the, 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 the weight of that removed. My burden is light. Everybody say light. Mark chapter 2, look at verse 27. This is out of the mouth of your Savior. He said to them, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. Therefore, the Son of Man is also Lord of the Sabbath. What's he saying? If you look at it religiously, it looks like Sabbath is the important thing. And then we must all obey it every Saturday. You've got to take a Sabbath. And Jesus said, no, you don't understand. The Sabbath was made for you. Why? You need the rest. You need the Sabbath. But notice he says, the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. What's Lord mean? He's in control of it. He decides when it's Sabbath. What do I mean by that? If you weren't here last week, what happens is you think about the normal Sabbath, you'd have to work for six days waiting for the seventh. You think of the Sabbath years, you'd have to work six years, wait for the seventh year for the replenishing. Think of Jubilee, 49 years before Jubilee arrives. Jesus comes in and he says, today is Jubilee. Today is the day that you rest. And so what is Sabbath? It's that resting. It's knowing that if God says there's enough provision for today, there's enough for tomorrow. Now, what if you need that provision on a Tuesday? I have to wait for Saturday. No, no. no. He says you need the provision for tomorrow and I'm going to deliver enough today because I need you to rest Tomorrow, And God gives you an instruction, says, this is what you need to do. You put everything in place. You need to visit that one, sign that contract, put that down, take this word, believe it, confess that scripture, sow your seed, now rest. You enter the Sabbath because he's calling you for rest today. Have you ever had that? God says, today you don't do anything. I want you to take the next week off and fast. How many of you ever had calls like that? What's that? A calling for the Sabbath. He is Lord of the Sabbath. He decides when you're going to rest. Why? For what purpose? Is it just so that you can keep a religious day? Is it to remember God? No. We remember Him every single day. We worship Him every day. Let's read that same scripture from the New Living Translation. Mark 2.27 from the New Living Translation. Jesus said to them, The Sabbath was made to meet the needs of people and not people to meet the requirements of the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even over the Sabbath. Hallelujah. Now, family of God, were we ever commanded to worship on the Sabbath? Was there an instruction to worship on the Sabbath? Does the law even command it? Well, if you go back to, remember the Ten Commandments, Exodus chapter 20, you look at verse 8, he says, Remember the Sabbath day. Keep it holy. Now, this is under the law. Six days you labor, do all your work, but on the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it you shall do no work. 
Mm-hmm. You, nor your son, nor your daughter, nor your male servant, nor your female servant, nor your cattle, nor your strangers within your gates. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth and the sea and all that is in them, and he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the seventh day and hallowed it. Now do you see anything about going to church there? What was the Sabbath there for? To remind you of the rest God had. And he calls it as holy. Now, now we do understand that under the law, they were called to, you know, to have a holy, the word calls it a holy convocation, which is a sacred assembly. That was the Sabbath Saturday. But every seventh year was a Sabbath year. And then you also had this, the Jubilee as a Sabbath as well. There were many different Sabbaths. Everybody say Sabbaths. But the point is that I'm making is that when you come back to it, never did it say that Sabbath is the day you have to worship on. Because that's what happens is that now people feel like going to church on Sunday is is wrong. And even there, you got some places that say, well, Sunday is the new Sabbath. It's like Christians, they change the Sabbath to a Sunday. No. The Sabbath is still Sabbath. And if you're talking about the Levitical Sabbath, the, the, the law Sabbath, that's on a Saturday. But again, remember, there were other Sabbaths. There was periods of Sabbaths. There was a year of Sabbath. There was, so you've got to keep remembering that. And in remembering that, you recognize that worship is something you do every single day. Look at Acts chapter 2. This is the Christians. These are the new covenant believers. They've just been born again. And verse 46, they continued. How often? So continuing. Let me hear it. With one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house. They ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church... Daily, those who were saved. So you notice that worship something we do every day. Amen. So family, I'm, I'm sharing this with you. It's vitally important that we take time with this because when we go into the next phase of teaching, I want the concept of rest so clear because the moment you start walking in any kind of power with God, The enemy is going to try and trap you and bring us back to some kind of religious principle. And if we talk about rest and what a Sabbath is, there are people that they they, even, you know, when when we, if we had a Saturday service, they would come because they thought that was the Sabbath. We stopped the Saturday, so now there's something wrong with the church. No, Saturday was just another day. We had church on Mondays, Tuesdays. We got home sales that meet on a Wednesday. Are you with me? You, you meet it any day. And where did, where did Sunday come from? Well, we know that Jesus was raised from the dead on the first day of the week. And you'll notice that there are scriptures that refer to that. The Bible says in Acts chapter 20, verse 7, on the first day of the week when the disciples came together to break bread, Paul, ready to depart the next day, spoke to them and continued the message until midnight. I always get a snigger out of that one because we, we sometimes go, yeah, this is long now, hey, this is, church is late today. No, they, they, he says, listen, I'm traveling, I've got you now in the room, let me speak to you. 
And they spoke to midnight. But the point of the scripture is, notice it was on the first day. You know, they, they, they would gather on the first day to worship. But you also just read the scriptures. They gathered every day. Uh, you see 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 2. On the first day of the week, let each one of you lay something aside, storing up as he may prosper, that there be no collections when I come. So you notice that as you go through the scriptures in the, under the new covenant, you notice, you pick it up, that they started meeting on the first day. And that... I believe is in celebration of the fact that Jesus was raised from the dead on the first day. But they still, as you continue studying, notice he spoke about a rest. The concept of still understanding that the rest is now different to what you call a worship day. Religion had turned the Sabbath into a worship day, but then Monday to Friday, their Sunday to Friday lived like sinners. No, that's never been God's intention. We're to live for God every single day as our Lord. And He is Lord of the Sabbath. And so we understand that even Sunday is not our Sabbath day. It's just a day we have chosen where it's convenient for everyone. Let's come together and let's worship God. Let's honor Him as a group. But then tomorrow, we still worship God. And we can gather as smaller groups every day, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, lead someone to the Lord any day, sing a song to Him any day, give any day. You worship God every single day. And then when it's necessary, take your rest. If, you're, if the only day you got to do nothing on, the physical actual rest is a Monday, then you do that. Amen. That's how our family was raised. This is, this is a work day for me. I don't get the day off for today. But uh, tomorrow I will take a break and relax and recuperate physically. But that's not to say that that's my holy Sabbath. It's, it's in honor of God to rest and recuperate. The Sabbath is when I understand that when He's given me a word and there's nothing more for me to do, but to rest and let God be God. And as a result of that, we're going to see His power move. Amen. Has this cleared up some things for some of us? Does this help us understand? See, it's important that you know this because if the enemy tries to trap you in religion, you say, no, Jesus is Lord of the Sabbath. The Sabbath was made as a servant, not for us to serve the Sabbath. Amen. Come on, give Jesus praise for His Word. Let's stand together. Now next week, I'm going to take this, and I'm going to, we've done a lot of scriptural study. And the reason for that is faith comes by hearing. I can stand up here and whoop, 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 and shout and scout scriptures, and everyone says yes and amen. But at the end of the day, you've got to know it is written. That sometimes takes time to get through. But once we're through it, now we can take that very foundation. And how do you apply that in the new covenant? How many you got things that you believe in God for? How many you got things that you trust in God to come through? Now, I'm going to give you the keys to open that up. Amen. Because sometimes we think, man, I've done everything I know to do. Good. Now. 
let's, let's press in and let the power of God bring it to pass. Amen. Just raise your hand to the Lord and say, today I heard the word of God. That word brought faith to my heart. And I am a believer, not a doubter. As the hearer of God's word, I'm also a doer. And I thank God for the privilege of knowing he has given me a rest. Thank God for the principle of the Sabbath. And Jesus demonstrated how he healed, how he delivered, how he set free, even on the Sabbath, because he is Lord of the Sabbath. And he was resting all the time in the full power of God that resided within him. And as he ministered in that power, multitudes were healed and delivered. He's placed that same Holy Spirit within me. And I learn to trust the power of God. I rest in the knowledge that He is God. His word is yes and amen. And as I rest, the blessing of God is at work and produces everything He designed for it to do in His word, just as He demonstrated it as he lived in this earth. Thank God for the rest of God. Amen, amen, amen.